Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to bring you another guest today. We'll be speaking with Amy Lang. Amy has an MA and has been a sexual health educator for over 25 years. With her lively, engaging, and down-to-earth style, she helps parents become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. Amy's books, an online solution center, and podcast show parents that talking about sexuality doesn't need to be totally uncomfortable, and in fact, she claims can really be fun. She also works with early childhood educators and provides childhood sexuality and sexual abuse prevention training. Amy is still married. I like the caveat. (laughs) So many aren't uh, to her first husband and they are getting the hang of parenting their recently launched man child. Uh, They live in Seattle, Washington, which is where my brother's from, actually, where he lives right now. And you can uh, learn more about her on her website. And we're going to be posting all her uh, great information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking to you because we have a little Adler in common. Yeah, a little, a little Adler. Adler on well, my end. Uh, so so I'd love to hear uh, your um, journey into deciding to become a uh, sex educator and and where you bumped into Adler because he's hard to find. It, it, we, I was saying we have low brand recognition. He's not out there in a lot of the university curriculums. He's you know we're fighting to make him more popular, more visible. Well, I uh, in my 20s, I got a little volunteer bug and I ended up volunteering on a telephone hotline and I was doing pregnancy and abortion counseling and I loved it. And so that led me to do just general sexual health counseling. So I was doing STI, HIV counseling. I talked to pretty much anyone you can think of, like pregnant 14-year-old girls, ugh. And then I had a client who was in her 60s and was getting STI tested because she was newly sexually active. So it was this broad range. 
I had figured that when I had kids, I was going to be amazing when it came time for the sex talks because I knew so much. And when our son was five, he was getting ready for a bath and he grabbed his penis and I thought he was going to tell me it felt good to touch it. And I was like, oh my God, no, and in my head. But I was really calm and I just said, what? And he's hanging on to his tallywhacker and he says, I can see the, the veins in there where the blood goes. And I was like, excellent, get in the bathtub. <laughs> And then no dawdling. No dawdling. You're just no trying to slow to down bedtime. Please don't talk to me about your penis. And so then, and then I was like, uh oh, right? Like, uh oh, you need help. So I started doing a bunch of research and I just needed to know, like, how do we talk to kids? Like, when should we start the conversation? And so as I was looking into that, I had a brainwave. And my brainwave was this. So, first of all, I love talking about sex and sexuality. And the other part of my brainwave is that I have a master's in applied behavioral science from Bastyr University that's in the Seattle area. And um, my uh, focus was in leadership in human systems and doing um, coaching and group facilitation and adult education. And so Dr. Adler was part of our curriculum and the curriculum was based in his theories and Dreikers. Absolutely. Dr. Yeah. Rudolf Dreikers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like 117 years ago. Yes, yes. That's my very little Adler. Anyway, so I just combined these two things and started working with parents. And my focus is on parents of kids ages like two to 11-ish. And um, it was put, what I was put on the planet to do. And I'm really all about kids, even though I only have the one. I mean, my whole work is about helping kids grow up to be whole, healthy, happy adults. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and, and to get rid of that, the, the the fear of the stigma of what do I say? How do I say it? And I love the penis story, you know, and you realize he's more we're, we're, we're reading. We, we hear kids and sex and we go taboo and they're going me, my body. Isn't that fascinating? I see a blood vessel, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm like, I'm like, I'm the kind of person that like if my husband's an hour late getting home from work, I'm like, OK, straight state police. That's the next thing that's going to happen. Of, so, of course, it's the right. most reasonable conclusion to come up to if somebody is late, that it's catastrophic car accident. <laughs> It's interesting that, um, you know, I didn't get specific sex ed training. You know, Adler certainly talked about, you know, gender guiding lines and things like that. But it, it really wasn't a part of the curriculum on how to be a parent educator and how to train people around Adlerian psychology. But my grandmother was a friend of Rudolf Dreikers. And um, she's so I'm third generation in my family to to teach in this in this realm. But before that, my my before my grandmother found Adler, you know, we're, we're many generations Unitarian. And my grandmother canvassed up and down the state of Delaware in the 50s to get sex education into public schools. And of course, the pushback then was, you know, if you talk to them about it, they'll start becoming sexually active, which we know is bunk, uh, quite the opposite, in fact. Right. They're um, already doing it, right? Yeah. They're going to yeah. do it. They're going to do it straight and up. And we're just so, we're so frightened of their sexual maturation. I, I and, um, so yeah, so this is a rich topic that does not get covered enough, and um, and and to your point too. Even though I have, even though my grandmother was a did both parent education and sex education through the church through the the Unitarian Church, 
to your point, I wasn't necessarily prepared for what I was going to say. So I bumped along in an uneducated way. So I would love to, you know, offer up to other parents some confidence around sort of what are some of the milestones and, and what do we talk about and how do I say it and what do I watch out for? And so maybe we can kind of go developmentally since you're, uh, you know, saying that two to 11 sort of your sweet spot. So when, when do we start talking about sex to our kids? Excellent question. So I think the a priori idea of when to start the sex talks is, is, is at fifth grade, right? And that's because of people like your grandmother, blessed be, who got sex ed into schools. And that's usually when they, that's when they would have the classes. So everybody kind of thinks, okay, 10, 11, right? And that's actually too late. It's always been too late, but um, because of our adult discomfort with thinking about our kids as sexual people or even like uh, projecting, right? Like I was projecting my crap on my kid, right? Totally projecting. So the real truth and people find this shocking. So I'm just going to say it. Shock so it. Shock us. We love it. Take, sh- take a breath. Uh, so while I was trying to figure out for myself, like, when should we do this? I was like, okay, who's got the the best teen sexual health out- outcomes in the world? And that's the Dutch. They are lowest teen pregnancy rate, lowest HIV and STI rates. So I'm like, okay, what are they doing? And so what they do is, first of all, they have a very open, positive culture about sexuality. They see it as natural, healthy, wonderful part of life. As an American and a white chick and a middle-class chick and all those things, uh, no, not healthy, not cool, not good, like all that shame, crap, blah, blah, blah. So that's the first thing. The second thing, they have socialized medicine. So getting healthcare is really, really easily accessible. And then the last thing is that they have comprehensive sexuality education in school from kindergarten all the way through. So there is no not knowing. There's no not knowing. And so that's the thing. So I was like, okay, then I guess five's the age. And so five is the time, which people think, my God, that's young. So... Let me explain. Yes. What are what, what what are you saying at five? Because I'm sure it's a different conversation than what you're saying at 15. Sure as hell better be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me just talk about five-year-olds because yeah. people sometimes find this shocking. So if you think about five-year-olds, many of you have been around a five-year-old. Some of you have five-year-olds. So if you think about five-year-old life and five-year-olds, they're very curious. They're very open. They're non-judgmental. They um, they don't know what we know about sex and sexuality and relationships. So they don't like they don't know there's a big deal. They don't know there's anything amazing. They don't know there's anything terrible. They don't know there's anything in between. And so when you talk to a five year old, they're just like, okay, whatever. So you say like, this is the usual way a baby's made, and this is how butter's made. They take that in. It's the same, right? Same, yeah, same. just a science lesson. Yeah, just, just, a sharing, just sharing facts. Right, right. And so, um, and then the other thing with five-year-olds is they're starting school, they're hanging out with older kids, they're having more independence, so they're getting information. And so the safest thing is for you to get in the door first. The other good thing about five-year-olds is a five-year-old is not going to notice your sweaty upper lip and your two glasses <laughs> of wine while you're making your way through a book, right? They're just not going to pick up on that. So that's why five. But here's what you start with. So like you said, it's like science, right? So you start with like everybody needs to know and you should be using the correct names for private body parts. Straight up. That is protective. People who monkey with kids want kids to be clueless. So if your daughter says, I have a vulva, 
and don't touch my vulva, my vulva itches, that's going to cue somebody who might be interested in your kid in a bad way that someone's talking to them. So that's actually the very first sex talk. And that starts at birth, right? Starts at birth. So that's the first sex talk. So by the time they're five, they should know about bodies and boundaries. They should know that it's not okay to play games with privates. Um, they should know that um, people with uteruses have, and vaginas have babies. They should know that men are part of, people with penises are part of that. Um, and then, so just in a kind of a generic way, and they should know about different families and that kind of thing. And then you do need to get down to business and say. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's way. what happens in that special hug, mummy. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. We don't no special hugs. No special hugs. Um, I would be horrified of special hugging after that. She's I know, special, I would never have it. Would you like special, special hug and hug? suddenly had a baby. No, thank you. Um, so then you can say, like you've laid it out, you know the body parts, and then you just really simply say, you know, the usual way pe- people make a baby and they agree to do this, and it's usually a man and a woman, a person with a penis and a person with a vagina and their bodies get really close together and the the penis can fit inside the body. It's made to do that. This is not something kids do, right? Not something kids do, right? And it feels good to their grown up bodies. So then the penis goes in the vagina and the person with the vagina has little tiny eggs in her called the called they're like little tiny eggs. And then the person with the penis has these little things called sperm and the sperm and the egg hook up and they come together and that's what makes the baby that sticks inside the woman's uterus. And then 10 really agonizing months later, (laughs) the woman's body is made to push, push the baby out of her vagina. That's the usual way. So I said a lot of words because y'all are grown. um, But the part that gets everyone hung up is penis enters vagina. It is three words, people, three words, three words. And then I also want to note that, um, lots of folks get pregnant a different way, right? Yeah. Two mom families, two dad families, trouble getting knocked up. Like, so in your family, so if you didn't, you say this is the penis vagina route is the usual way. And then in our family, blah, 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 blah. And even if you have a lot of anxiety and angst about what it took to get pregnant for you or to make your kiddo, your child does not know that they don't need to know that because it is super cool science, like super cool science. But we can just say, you know, to, to do the kid, the kid friendly version. So long as we get that sperm and seed together, some people can, can do that in a, in a little dish in a laboratory and then put it in the woman if they can't, they can't hook up on their own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, like we make so much like fuss out of this and that's because we know, like we know about penises and vaginas. Some of us have experienced that in good ways and maybe not so good ways. So again, we're like project on our kids and think, oh no, no, they can't know this. But yeah, they can't know that. We don't want them to know that, but we do want them to know how this all works. So I do not recommend winging this unless you have a kid that is like pushing, pushing, pushing. And then you can be really simple and say what I just did, but ideally you'll have books. Most folks are reading books with their kids. Books are a normal part of a family life. So um, my favorite book for young kids is called It's Not the Stork. And yeah. I'll, we'll get all these for you. Um, yeah, perfect. So, yeah, I'll make sure that yeah, they're yeah, in there. And, there. and then, you know, there are other books in this same series by Roby Harris and Michael Amberley that I really, really like. So books are your total friend, total friend, because you're not me. Like I can rattle this stuff off like nobody's business, but... Even as a parent, I was much happier reading to Milo than I was, you know, blah, 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 at, which you can't skip the talking. <laughs> you cannot skip the yeah. talking. Yeah. Well, and it's true, even if we're reading a, um, a nonfiction or a fiction book, 
a child storybook, we're still stopping and saying, where do you think she put the teddy bear? Um, you know, do you think she's sad that her daddy had to stay work late at work? Like, you know, we're, 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 pushing the story forward in the way that we read to our kids, like to be able to say, you know, so do you know where your penis is? Like it just, it just kind of like, I'm not sure that that's a question that you include, but I'm just saying uh, maybe it helps us shift into that mindset that maybe we've, we kind of know we have a few skills. We know if we know storytelling, we can do that part. Okay. Yeah. And we We just change the topic. Right. And you can ask questions too. Like, what do you think about that? And, you know, the younger the kid is when you're reading the book with them, um, the more engaged they are, the more they're more willing they are to read with you as they get to be about nine or 10. So we're looking at like right into puberty, start of puberty. They get a little like, no, thanks about this. And that doesn't mean you don't talk to them. It just means that you just acknowledge, yeah, I get it. You're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. My parents didn't do this for me. Right. So here we go. You know, I want you to be super smart about this. It's a really important part of life. I got this great book. You know, we can read it together. And I'm all about bribing these days. So you could say, why don't we read a chapter a night? And, you know, once we get through, you can get the teddy bear or the whatever that you want. I mean, I'm not, I'm like, whatever, all the skills in the parenting toolbox. That's my my whole thing. Just don't get pregnant. Well, yeah, yeah, I I certainly heard, I certainly heard that one enough growing up. It's kind of like, Part of why we had these conversations is to make sure that you stay safe. So <laughs> I'm not going to give you a test, but I sure expect this to have sunk in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Like we have no excuses. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. No I excuses. did my part. Good. Yeah. So, so, uh, and to your point, when puberty comes and we do start to see like, well, it's a whole different part of sexuality too. Like I'm sure a five-year-old doesn't really have much to ground their, their experience. And if you're talking about, you know, your voice dropping or your mood swings, I'm sure that wouldn't be relative to a five-year-old. So you can park that topic, right? Until you kind of, you can kind of park it. The ideal thing is that you say your body's going to grow and change from a kid body into an adult body. It's a process. And so they know what's coming. Like okay. you're going to start to get boobs. And you know, if you, if you're, you got the ovaries, like you're going to get taller, you're going to smell like goats and farts. If you're full of testosterone, <laughs> right? Like, so you just prep them. You don't go into four part going harmony. So by the time they are eight or nine, they need to have a puberty book because they need to know what's a coming. Because as you know, most of us know, I mean, I didn't have enough information. I would have loved to know, like I had, I had books and that was good, but I didn't have anybody I could talk to. So Amy's famous puberty story is that as my breasts were starting to develop, I could feel the lump of my mammary gland. I thought I had breast cancer because when do you have lumps? Yeah. We took our daughter into the doctor and the doctor said, those are breast buds. And we were like, wow. Like, and again, I'm a woman. I did. I not remember what my boobs came in like I I had I didn't remember I honestly didn't remember right and I so I didn't couldn't ask I had no one to ask so I thought I had breast cancer for quite a while and then I figured it out so like we do not want that right we don't want that for your kid and they want to know yeah to know like what's going to happen with their body I think it would be scary to not know about wet dreams I think it would be scary to, to not know about erections like I mean if you if you don't either know in advance or feel that you can't talk about it to someone then you know, just like you in the car accidents. I mean, maybe their go-to is something's wrong with me. And not yeah. every, not every kid is, um, well, things aren't supposed to be wrong with you because childhood is all about do the right thing or you could, you know, uh, be rejected or, or, you know, punished or whatever. So they, they don't necessarily come forward with all that stuff if we aren't proactive, right? 
Right. And not setting us ourselves like, you know, everybody says, if you have any questions, ask, go ahead, feel free to ask me. But how do they know you're askable if you're not offering information? Right. Like yeah. if you're not saying, hey, you know, like lots of, you know, mo moms tend to be the people that lead this conversation. And, you know, if you've got a if you're a, a mom and, and you have a person with a penis and you've never had one, or you're a two mom family. And you can just say, uh, I ain't got your parts, but we'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like just being open about that. And, and like you said, like letting kids know, like boys know that they're going to have random acts of senseless erections and given some strategies for how to manage that. And, and, you know, and especially for, especially for girls, because, you know, our bodies do some crazy stuff, right? Like bleeding every month. Everybody should know about that. Yeah. Right. Everybody should know about that early early because very traumatizing right very traumatizing and you know i uh you know i think we again kind of it's all of parenting is about us it's not, as you know it's not about our kids per se right like we're all working our crap and trying to figure it out and like in this particular topic a whole bunch of stuff is going on like more i think in some ways like more deeply and um kind of differently than other parts of like life and parenting. Does that make sense? It, what, like it's got a separate sort of um, uh, implicit rule system. Right. That are mysterious. Yeah. That are mysterious. And, yeah. you know, I think the other thing too, is that we need to reframe how we think about sexuality education because historically it's been about prevention. Like you said, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. Yeah. Right. How about preparation? Right. How about we think about this like we're preparing you for life, like we're, I'm going to we're going to prepare you for driving the car. Right. Like you don't give a kid the car keys and say, just don't get in an accident. Right. Yeah. Don't get in an accident. Don't get in an accident. And I'm sorry you don't know how to drive, but <laughs> don't don't run anyone down. So if we can kind of flip our flip how we think about this, it's a it is a part of life that is is lifelong and it encompasses every other thing, right? It takes social skills, there's emotion involved, physical body, um, it takes some smarts, right? Absolutely. And, some, you know, and there's spiritual stuff, right? Yeah, and, and it's amazing how many people, you know, come into therapy in their marriage, you know, after having started a family, and, you know, we know that's a challenge on, and suddenly they're in marriage counseling and we're going through, you know, division of labor and communication or whatever. And then we get to intimacy and you find out there's been like these long standing shame stories that are really holding someone back. And you think, oh man, you know, you got caught masturbating behind the pool shed. You got shamed. And for the rest of your life, you haven't been, you know, climactic or something like you hear these sad stories and we would hope that we would set a healthy Dutch version of it, it's a beautiful part of life and uh, and and do that ongoing preventative age appropriate laying all yeah. the little bricks all the way all the way yeah. along the line yeah and you know that and then you know we have those stories it's scary right it's scary but what we know from all kinds of research and talking to kids and talking to teenagers is that their number one most influential person is their parent or primary caregiver. That person is the most influential from or in early childhood through like mm, 13, 14, like so much influence, like crazy influence. And then after that, peers end up neck and neck. 
And now we also get to put porn in there. So porn is up there with peers and us if we're on it. Yeah, if we're so on it. We got to talk about, sorry, I'm interrupting, but with a porn conversation is, is a super important. I want to make sure we make time for that. Yeah, let's all take a breath and we'll talk about that in a minute. How's that? Yeah, yeah. We'll let people, they're still warming, warming up to know, the topic and kind of going like, wait, could I do it? Could, could I, could I manage could I, this? Can I do this? I don't think yeah. I can do this. So um, let me just give a little like, like a kind of age by age chunk out yeah, of things please, for folks. Please. So yeah. ideally you get the party started by five. Um, if you're behind, then um, you can still, this, you can, this is my tactic is like, like eight and unders, you can just say, hey, I got this book. It's all about families and babies and uh, bodies. Let's read it, right? Just whatevs, regular nightly reading, no big deal. If you have an older kid, like again, like eight, nine, you should say an older, just say, all right, I blew it. We should have been talking about this sooner. I'm really sorry. I got these books. Love to read them with you. You can read them on your own, but it's time. And that's the first conversation. And you have to apologize because A, they'll lean into you and B, you need to apologize because they've been getting information from all kinds of sources. So, so by the time they're eight, by the time they're nine, they should know like all about how babies are made, different kinds of families, genders. They should know about safe touch, unsafe touch, boundaries. They should understand that sex is a choice, that it feels good, that it's a really great part of life. Um, they should have a basic understanding that people can take, take a medicine or, or use something so that they don't get pregnant if they don't want to. Um, by the time they are nine and 10, they should have a book that is just about puberty for whatever, for boys or girls or, um, people with ovaries or people with testes. Um, it's, it's, uh, there's one book out now that kind of covers everybody. It's, it's called the everybody book that's comprehensive and covers, it's very LGBTQ focused. It's very open. They really work really hard to keep it, um, really a safe, wonderful place for kids who um, aren't cisgender. And um, I really think that everybody should have it as a companion to these other books I recommend. Um, so most kids like a, just a puberty only book on its own outside of a sex book. And then by the time they start middle school, they should know the basics of everything. There's a book called It's uh, Perfectly Normal. And it's got the basics of everything. It's got the details, some of the details of everything. But basically, everything in that book, they should have in them before they start middle school. Because once they get to middle school, all bets are off. Yeah. All bets are off. So I think that's shocking to parents, but that was my experience as well. I don't have data on this, but all the stuff yeah. that, that was crazy that I thought was going to happen in high school all happened in middle school. Yep, yep, I was yep, like, yep. wow, I, I, would, I could handle this at 16. You mean we're doing this already in grade seven? Oh, yep. oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and again, you know, this is about preparation and part of preparation is prevention. And so a, an informed child is an empowered child, right? If we feel better, we do better. You know, ideally your kid is the smartest kid on the playground when it comes to this stuff. Uh, parents worry that they'll have a little town crier slash sex educator on their hands. Most kids don't do that. Yeah. Some do, some don't. Like my kid knew everything. He would never straighten anybody else out unless he was like really good friends with them. Um, so that's nothing to, that is not something to worry about. That is, that is about you. That is about mm -hmm. you being embarrassed or uncomfortable. So if, if you, you need to decide you're going to do this and then stick to it and then tell, tell your close friends and the parents of the kids, your friends, kids that 
cat's out of the bag, told him, you know, you can say to your kids, hey, you know, this is a private conversation with having our family. You can ask us anything you want, but it's, you know, your, your, it's other kids' parents' jobs to have, to have this conversation. It's not your job. Which is, a, which is a great, another great example of a boundary issue. Yeah, totally. Right? Right. And then you cross your fingers and hope that, you know, your little petunia doesn't fill in her, you know, her friend Philip. And, you know, I mean, the worst thing that happens is you get a phone call from a parent who's like, what the hell? And then you get to say, hey, we're on this. We don't want our child learning from other children, trying not to be sarcastic and mean, but like, just explain your reasoning and then make soothing sounds. Yeah, <laughs> soothing sounds. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, because people do want to have people do want to have conversations at different times. Um, well, I want you to finish. I sorry, finish your going through. So, okay, we've got so some bottom kids. Line, so yeah. bottom line, by the time they are in middle school, you don't need to screen. You can talk about everything. Don't pussyfoot around. Like just be straight up about it. Um, their interest and their needs changes from what I like to call the nuts and bolts, which is basically how things work and what goes where, to more of the social emotional conversations around relationships and crushes and healthy relationships and how sexuality fits into that when I'm saying this and I can feel people's hearts just like their heart rate just went up but the big thing here is that this is not you don't sit your kid down and say all right it's Wednesday it's hump day (laughs) literally time for our lecture right (laughs) time for our lecture uh you don't do that it's lots of small conversations um it's like 201 minute conversations. You keep it short and sweet. You know, it was so nice when Milo got to be in middle school and I could just be like, oh, thank God. Like I can just say this stuff. Right. And I was always pretty much saying this stuff, but oftentimes with a little caution. So don't be afraid because the more open you are, the more open they will be with you, which is the goal, right? You set yourself up as the expert. We can, yeah, we can, we can handle whatever they bring to us. Right. And we've got to prove it proof in the pudding. Right. And fake yeah. it. Because sometimes you can't handle it. You just got to yeah. pretend like you can. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. I'm going to go throw up in a corner. I'll be right back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I reserve the right to talk about this on Saturday after I decide what I'd like to say back. <laughs> exactly. That's such yeah. a cool tactic. And that's fair. But you have to get back. You know, you and my parents, I, I, one of my best friends in middle school, her mother was a nurse, a public health nurse. And, and so, you know, she knew how liberal my family was and how pro-education we were, but she was still just because, just because of her personality, she would be like, all right, girls, but I just want to make sure. So with her daughter there, she would sort of, you know, you know, give not lectures. They weren't lectures at all, but she was just basically like, I'm a nurse. You need to know, you can ask me anything. And, and it did, it kind of rolled out the red carpet that, you know, it, it was maybe nicer to ask certain things to her than to my own mother. Um, I still needed a trusting adult, but yeah, there was probably some things I didn't exactly want my mom to know the whole story. Right. Of course. <laughs> I mean, that's also, that's just being an adolescent, right? That's being a teenager. And you have this great resource who is trustworthy. Yeah. She's a nurse, right? Yeah. Like doesn't get more trustworthy than that, than that. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise they'll be Googling it and there's where the trouble yeah. begins. Yeah. Do you want to talk about porn? Yeah, it's sort of hand in hand. Well, there's two things that I think are important when we look to those older kids is is, is gender. Now that we're sort of gender uh, identification and, and, and how that all unfolds, that really leaves kids confused. And I see that as a mental health practitioner where um, they're not sure, they don't know about coming out, or they're not even sure if this is just having a crush on a friend and maybe they're not a lesbian. Like there's a lot of confusion there. So I think sexuality, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know as a mother how to talk about it the way I would as a therapist. Um, and, um, and then just differences of opinion around when kids are allowed to be 
sexually active and because mm-hmm. you've got I, I i really want the consent to be there but if you have different uh come from a different culture different values different whatever and you're like save it till marriage or save it till you're 21 and you've got a child that's born into a democratic society in 19 in 2021 and had all this great support and education around them and they're mature and they're like i'm actually ready to take it to the next level and it's like ah! yeah um, so there was a lot there. There's so, a lot there. Yes, yes, there's yes. There's a lot there. So let me talk <laughs> about um, let me talk about the gender and the um, sexual attraction. So what's happening now is makes lots of folks feel uncomfortable, mostly because uh, we don't have uh, the comfort or fluidity around talking about issues around gender and sexual attraction. And our culture has been really, and depending on what culture you grew up in and your values and your beliefs and your religion. Um, this is hard to grasp because most people are cisgender, which means your how you feel on um, as a how you identify as a um, and your gender. Like I'm cisgender, I feel like a woman. I like most of the things that women and girls do, and um, it matches my female identified body parts. Right? I mean, I'm not going to show you. I got all the gal bits. Right? I'm I'm fe- I'm female. Yeah. You're just going to trust me. So that's being <laughs> cisgender. And I am primarily attracted to the opposite sex. So I'll, I'm hetero. I'm, I say I'm straightish. So we'll just say I'm, I'm straightish. And so that feels normal to me. And that's what our culture supports. And that's what society says is air, air quotes normal. And the reality is that when you feel so confident in who you are, when someone says, you know, I don't feel like, I, yeah, I have a vulva, but I don't feel like a girl. Like, I feel like a guy, like I feel like a guy on the inside. It's really hard to understand that because we're so sunk in to how our gender, right. And our sexual attraction. So what's happening now is because of the internet and TV and our culture opening up, kids are seeing that there are more opportunities, right? It's not just one or the other. There's a whole spectrum. And I will share a tool with you called the um, gender unicorn that explains this beautifully. And, you know, um, for parents, you don't have to like it. You don't even have to understand it. You need to support your child. You need to support your child. And so sometimes, yeah, a kid is trans, which means they are in the wrong body for their parts. Sometimes they're non-binary. So kids have all this language now and all the adults are like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, I don't know what to do with you. So what you do as a parent is first you need to educate yourself. So gender unicorn, P flag, lots of resources to understand these different ways of looking at gender. And then you need to ask your child questions. Tell me what that means. How can I support you? They may change their name. They may change their pronouns. Um, this is usually happening around 13, 14. And your job is to, as my friend Joe Langford says, hold it lightly. Hold it lightly and be there for them and wait. Usually people settle into their gender, like when they're um, when they're in that, I get in trouble for saying experimentation, but exploration phase, usually people settle down by the time they're 17, 18, 19. They know, they know. And then they land where they land. And then your job is to love them and accept them no matter who they are, what they say, because LGBTQ kids have the highest suicide rates right? And the number one thing that keeps them on par with their cis and straight friends is um, parental support. Yeah. So, so, so saying, oh, you know, 
don't make a decision now. You're just experimenting. That is a dismissive. That, that's dismissive. It, better like in this moment, this is what's your truth. And we support that. And yeah. your truth could be different. That's, and we'll keep up with whatever you inform us yeah. of. Yes. Just keep me posted, right? Keep and me posted. then if you're freaking out, do that on your own time. This is going to be a lot for parents to have to like realize how much of this is their internal dialogue of what's okay mm-hmm. and what's not okay and releasing children to be who they are authentically are and doing that support with, you know, these modern scripts, not, not our baggage from our childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I really like the every, the everybody book, because it does a really, the language is really nice. It explains these things really well. Um, It's really approachable for parents and, you know, and for kids and, you know, in our changing world, it's better for everyone. If you know this, if you know what's coming, if you have some understanding of this, because if your kiddo has a friend or they themselves have a friend that changes gender, you know, like we just said, you might not get it. You might not understand it. That is your problem. Yeah. That is your problem. And so when they start becoming sexually active, do they need to come ask you for permission or do they, is it, I know it's hard during a pandemic. I, I feel badly for all the people that had their first love and were moving to the next stage and then they got in lockdown. I know. <laughs> it's a terrible time to discover yeah. love and relationships, but you know, um, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for people to say, so like you said, you know, she's on the pill, we've got condoms in the house. Uh, I, don't want them making out in the car. Do I let them go in the bedroom and close the door? So it's a family choice. Um, my, my husband is very funny. And he said, I don't want to hear it, see it or smell it. And I was like, perfect. Sounds good. So we just told Milo, like, you know what? Like A, condoms, B, consent, maybe the other way around, um, birth control and and lots of communication. Like he's, Milo is very private. So I have literally no idea about what was going on for him. He is living with his girlfriend. So I am assuming they're sexually active, but. Between them. Between them. Right. So anyway, so you have to decide in your family. So first of all, your kid's going to do it. Yeah. Well, they're going to do it. Yeah. They're going to do it. And they're not going to wait until their late twenties, which is ideal. Full brain development. They're not, they're not average age is like 17 Um, so what I suggest you say to, aside from having them super sex educated is is you say like in our family, we believe, or I believe that like, if you believe you should wait until marriage, then you say that, but then you have to say why, like, why is marriage the goal, right? Why is marriage the goal? Like 90% of people have sex before they get married. So what I am not a sex, I'm not a wait. I'm not a wait till you're married person, because I just think that's ridiculous. And especially if we're like, people are getting, they're not getting married and they're getting married later and later and later. And it's just kind of too much to ask. So why is marriage the goal? And then expect your child is not going to wait until they get married, expect that. And so then conversations about how, what's your plan here and we'll support you. And if you could please tell us, so we make sure that you have everything in place, we might be disappointed, but I would rather know. I would rather know. And saying, you know, like we told Milo, like, we want you to be in a loving, committed relationship. We want you to have good communication with your partner. We'd prefer it if you were together for six months, like we laid all these things out yeah. and, um, you know, whatever is in his head. <laughs> and so they're going to do what they're going to do. 
And so you might as well have them prepared and then you need to be prepared yourself. And, you know, one of the things we're talking about this is for people who can get pregnant, the decisions need to be made about birth control. And I believe that people who can get pregnant should be put on birth control around 14 or when they've had their period for two years, because I don't want to, I don't want to unplanned pregnancy. <laughs> Like that yeah. ain't fun, right? And studies show that young folk who have birth control or on birth control, they don't have sex. I th- oh, I think they have sex like six months sooner, right? Or late. Like it's no big, it's like nothing. It's yeah. nothing. And if they do, they're protected. And it's not giving permission because you're clear. It's like, look, A, this will regulate your periods or make them go away, go away altogether, blessed be. Um, and, um, and, you know, when you're ready, you won't, you know, you won't get knocked up and, you know, it's something you can keep private and we have excellent birth control now, uh, really, um, the IUD the Marina IUD and the implant on the implants in the arm are super duper effective birth control pills. Now for those of you who are listening and think birth control pills are going to cause you all kind of trouble. That is not a thing anymore. There are so many different options. It's old, old, old news. So please don't let your kids think that birth control pills are any kind of problem. They are not. They're highly effective. They are not going to mess with your body. It might take a couple different kinds, but it's not like it was like when your grandmother, right? When they were first new, they were awful. Yeah, we've learned we've learned a lot. Yeah. And I know with my daughters, both, you know, is our family doctor. We lived in a small town, like a T intersection. No, no traffic light. (laughs) And the doctor in the town probably saw every teenager in that community. And I remember when she was like, you know what, this is the last uh, checkup that you're going to be coming to mama. Um, the next one, she comes on her own. <laughs> and I remember that the doctor had kind of said like, yeah, I think we're going to get you on the pill now. And maybe that's a family decision, but I sure like that. I trusted her. She knew our family unit. She kind of, I was like, yep. Okay. That sounds good. You've got the person to talk to. And then I was at a function for like, a, a social influencer thing. And one of the prizes was this like bin of condoms. And so I came home from this social influencer thing to this small town and my kids were having friends over grade seven, grade eight, whatever. And I'm like, hey, look what I won at the party. I said, I'm going to put these in the bathroom upstairs and you can help yourself. Because when you live in a little town like that, there's only one pharmacy and you don't think that pharmacist and the cashier know everyone in your town? Right. I, mean, I guess we, I right. guess we have Amazon now. You can right. get it the well, next but still, day. And but, there you were, yeah. right? And, and then you became the town pump for and, condoms. <laughs> and they disappeared and I kept refilling them and okay. I never, I never asked or cared or whatever, but it was like, that, that worked out well. Yeah, it's great. And it's fine. Like, I think we're back to that thing of like, people don't, they're like, my kid will never have sex. They're not going to do this. It'll ruin them. But why not have things ready for them? Like those kids probably tell stories about you right? About you doing that and how crazy that was and how great it was. And think of all those STIs you prevented and all those pregnancies you probably prevented, like good, good news. And I just want to acknowledge like what I'm saying is not for everyone. Totally not for everyone. Like you need to decide like what's best for your family, but you also need to be realistic. You can talk, you have to talk about your values about sexuality because that's what gives your kids roots and so when they're making these decisions, you want them to have something to start, someplace to start from. I had a, I've had families, parents tell me that they don't talk to their kid, want to talk to their kids about their values because they want their kids to make up their own values. And I was like, okay, so you're going to get a Trump supporter there. You know that, right? It's like, that's what you want? Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you want that? I'm going 
say no, you don't. I mean, maybe you do, but no, you don't. Right. So yeah. like you have to talk about, talk about your values. That's part of the sex talks. It's part of, yeah. The- part of that's part of child guidance, part of right. having somebody decide who they want to be as an adult. And, you know, and I, I often tell parents so don't get me wrong. They're going to kick your values around for a little bit just so that they can make sure that when they finally adopt them, it wasn't because they were a patsy to you that they like literally decided for themselves. Yeah. You know, totally. it wasn't. Totally. Yeah. So it's not totally. all the fact that the fact that they're not cleaning their room at 16 doesn't mean that your kid's going to be a slob forever. Right. <laughs> it turns know, out that's, that's not the case. Play the long game. Play the long right. game. Exactly. Play the yeah. long game. Anyway, yeah. want to talk about porn? Yeah, let's get to porn if people have now taken a deep enough breath. But, uh, you know, I don't know what you're going to say about it, but I, I sure know that the numbers are shocking. So if you haven't sat down yet, now's the time. So, okay. So here's the deal. First of all, they are going to see it. Guaranteed. 100%. They will see it. Average age of exposure is at nine. That's and, the part that shocks parents out. Right. It's nine, 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 nine. 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 Fourth grade. Fourth grade. And it's like... Uh, the stuff they're going to bump into is ain't your grandfather's porn. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like, do you remember those old pens that were filled with liquid yeah. and they had the little girl and when you tipped it, her bikini top came off and you saw totally. her boobies. That yes. was porn. That was porn when I was growing up. That, that is, is totally not, porn. that is hilarious. Not what your nine year old. No, 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 no. Not, and the way your nine year old's going to find it is she's going to Google horses, go to images, see a horse's erect penis. And then she's going to go look up penises or click on an image and she's going to end up with horse sized penises. Yeah. And you can't unsee things. And yeah. if, you don't be- if you don't believe me, then do what I just said. Google horses, go to images, find an erect penis on a horse. You cannot unsee things. And then see how long it takes you to get to actual videos of people having sex. So that's the first thing you need to know. Um, the second thing is that teenagers say they learn about sex from porn. That's one of their biggest teachers, their peers in porn, right? Bad resources. <laughs> Yeah, resources, unless their peers are really well sex educated. So um, this is another reason why you want your kid to be the sex educator on the block. It's going to reduce their curiosity about seeing porn to a degree, um, and it's going to help them help their peers and make sense of the BS that they're going to they're going to hear for sure. Um, So all that being said, uh, you have to talk with kids about porn. So um, when they're five, four, three, seven, you say, hey, sometimes there are pictures and videos of naked people on the internet, it is not okay or safe for you to look at that. It's adult stuff like coffee and wine and marijuana. I used to say cigarettes, but <laughs> no one even does that anymore. No one, See, no, the world well, the world is improving. The world isn't improving. So <laughs> it's improving. So you said it's a grown-up stuff. So please stop looking, let me know, and you won't be in trouble. By the time they're about eight, they need to know that's pictures of people having sex, videos of people having sex. It's called porn. Same story, not for kids. Um, you can say more about it. it their hearts, minds, and bodies are not ready for sex and they're definitely not ready to see that and then by the time they're 10 you just need to be like okay have you heard about porn do you know what it is you know have you seen it you won't be in trouble and it's always you won't be in trouble you won't be in trouble you won't be in trouble they're so afraid of getting their computers taken away right. that's their that's their biggest fear is if i tell you that you're gonna like take the, the ipad away right so i have some things to say about that right put a pin in that as people say yeah pin yeah. in that so you just need to keep having the conversation with them um as they get older you can make it more universal like hey you know anybody who's seen porn like with your sixth graders um what you what do you think you know what do they think that kind of thing because you want to open that door because what you want is for them to tell you when they see it 
right? And so yeah. if you're able to talk about it and not be mean about it, um, and then really you need to say in your out loud voice, you know, if you ever see anything like that, you can tell me. It's really scary and confusing. You will not be in trouble. I'll make sure you get help if you need it. So I just want to be really, really clear about that. Like this is serious business because it can really mess you up. Okay, so Amy says all those nice things. And now she's going to be mean. No, she's not. She's <laughs> going to tell you all that she is sick and tired of getting phone calls from parents because their child has been porn exposed to pornography because they did not have monitoring and parental controls installed on every device. If your kid sees porn on a device that's under your control that you have given them, it is not your child's fault. It is your fault for not protecting them. Monitoring and parental controls are the seatbelt of the internet. Yeah. You you cannot say to yourself, my child would never. This gal Googled horses. I would have been Googling boobs and sex and blowjobs and everything. Yeah. And everything. Well, and check, check the Google search because it's, you know, again, you can tell they're spelling everything wrong. Right. And it knows. <laughs> boobs is B-O-B. That's bobs. You're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might not get very far. Yeah. Or bobs. But, or, uh, but somebody. misspell Britney Spears and you could yeah. be off at some you know, pop-up right. site, right? right? Or, yeah. or spell sex, sax, then you're going to get to sex. So um, A, you need to assume they're going to do it. B, it is required. Like this is not optional, not optional, monitoring and parental controls. So um, I'll give you the link to the product I recommend. They're really easy to oh, install awesome. and monitoring. People don't know what this is. Monitoring is watching. So you see where they're going. Parental controls is blocking. So you restrict where they can go. And by the time they're in middle school, they should be go, able to go anywhere, no parental controls, but you're monitoring. So they know. And the reason you're monitoring is because you're keeping them safe. It's your job. There's more than just sex business on the internet, right? Do you want your kid Googling how to commit suicide? I don't think so. I mean, call me crazy. Yeah. Right? There's awful stuff. And so your, your job is to protect your child. And I know I'm sounding shamey and I'm sure Adler would be crying in his soup over me. No, no, I think I think it's, it can't be said enough because I think to your point, it's not until you hear the cautionary tales and because you and I interact with families all the time, we end up with the, are you kidding me? Not another one. Are you kidding me? Not another one. Oh my, another, like, and, and so you hear the, the, the sad tales of, yeah. you know, it was on his site and because it was it becomes child pornography and now that is a criminal offense and it was dad's computer and you know oh it, it you know bad to worse so do you talk about um the degradation of women or the fact that so much yeah. of it is violent yeah yeah so there's a book there there's a book called good pictures bad pictures and they do a really good job of talking about porn pornography and the impact of pornography but um you really need to be talking with your kids about that, that it's violent, um, that it's not real, it's like cartoons, um, that it degrades women, that women's bodies don't look like that. People don't do those things. Um, I just read this perfect description that porn is sex without hands. There's no caressing, there's no hand yeah. holding, there's no touching, there's no, there's no intimacy. So it's sex without hands, which I... I'm not so sure that kids could get that, but as a grown up, I'm like, hell yeah, totally get that, right? Yeah. So you want to talk about it and how it's bad for the world. And you need to talk a little bit about sex trafficking and how most of the women that are in this, they're not doing it because they want to. And, and that it's, it's, it's a really terrible industry. 
And, you know, I am. And she doesn't even want to enjoy it when you touch her that. that that's for the camera angle. That's yeah. for him. That's, yeah, that's, that's not real sex. Entertainment. That's not how people feel yeah. connection. Right. That's and, not sex. That yeah. is not sex. And that's not good sex. So protecting your kids from getting that in their heads, like this is what sex is. That is not what sex is. You want them to have a different understanding of, you know, intimacy and care and love and connection. And that that is where you want your kids to be coming from when it comes to sexuality. So, and that's on you. Yeah. So, so we're all going to go out and buy Nicholas Sparks books and give them to our teenagers. <laughs> Good idea. Oh, courting, get a nice little cottage in Cape Cod. Yes. And <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. Here, much this is lovely. And how much, uh, you know, let's watch for consent. So anyway, yeah. like I know that our conversation has been a lot, right? And yeah, it's a big topic. And I, yes. I, I thank you. And do you, I, you know, we'll wrap up because I know you're teaching a class tonight and you've not only given us so many resources that I'm going to make sure are in all the show notes. I want to make sure, is there anything else that you really wanted to say and um, uh, let you kind of close it up with your final thoughts and and how people can find out more because they're, they aren't going to want to wait till the next interview, which I hope you do. I, I hope they jump on over there's, to all your great resources. More. There's always more. Always so let, me, more. let me talk about resources and then I'll give you some reassurance. How's that sound? Great. Perfect. So I also have a podcast. It's called Just Say This and it is advice column style. People call and leave me a voicemail message and then I answer it on the show. Highly entertaining. Lots of swearing. And um, it's all over the map. So somebody will have a preschooler question. Somebody will have a teenager question. So it's kind of potluck. So that's one way. Um, I have on my website, I have an online solution center. It's called the Birds and Bees Solution Center. And it's a standalone library of videos and recommendations and books and handouts so that you can go and get what you need on your own time. So if you're feeling like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble or I'm behind, um, just a couple of things that I think are really helpful are um, a video that's age by age, like what your kids need to know at each age and stage so you can get caught up or plan ahead. And then another video called Poison Porn, Your Kids in Porn that I do with my colleague, Joe Langford. And it's about more in depth about pornography and how to handle it in the industry and that kind of thing. So those are my two favorite things. And then birdsandbeesandkids.com is my website. Yeah, which has, again, just tons of, it's amazing the content you've pulled together for parents and the ones that you've given here. I'll make sure that we're 100% up to speed, um, you know, in terms of all the things that we mentioned. I tried to jot them down just, yeah, yeah, just to nudge you. And again, a big topic. You covered a lot in an hour, but I certainly hope that you'd be willing to come back. We could drill down on any one of these topics a bit deeper. Yeah. So let me just leave you with this. With the calm. We need the calm ending. Calm. So take a breath. Pick one small thing. A lot of stuff. We talked about a lot of stuff. Pick one small thing that you can do in the next 48 hours. So that might be go look at my website. That might be go check out some books. That might be if you're parenting with someone, say, hey, we got to figure out how we're going to do this. One small thing. And then pick another small thing. And then pick another small thing. And I promise you, no one is going to die and no one is going to throw up. It's It actually really can be fun and funny. And when you come into the conversation, don't be all doom and gloomy. Like it is a cool part of life. It is a cool and wonderful part of life. Go in that way. And your kids are going to feel better and do better and definitely have more fun than we probably did. Yeah, we- 
wouldn't it be nice to not pass down the baton that many of us had? Yeah. Agreed. 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 Well, thank you for the great content, for the reassurance, for the resources. And um, so great to meet a new friend. And I'd love to have you on again. So please, let's stay in touch after. Yes, please. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.